Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of First Christian Church of St. Paul, located in Roseville, Minnesota. We are a congregation of Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, a congregation that is united in Christ for the sake of the world. Join us for worship in person or via our live stream Sundays at 11 a.m. You can learn more about us by going to FCCStPaul.org. Here is this week's sermon. Our text today comes from two passages. The first will be from um, the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 29, to uh, chapter 12, verse 2, and then Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 56. We begin with Hebrews. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have the time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead and raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced years in flogging and even in chains and imprisonment. They were put into death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. They were commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had promised. Since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And now from Luke 12, 49 through 56. I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism which we are, which, to be baptized, and I stress I am under, I, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, two against two and two against three. And they will be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against against mother-in-law. He said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, it is going to rain, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat, and it happens. 
you hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? It's the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. My mother can attest that I love to write. It has always been a way that I express myself. It has always been a way that I can give voice to how I look at the world, how I might feel about things. Sometimes I will write about, and, um, because there's an issue or a thought that I think that maybe others need to know about. And I have filled notebooks and blogs and online journals, and they're all filled with perspectives and stories that I've written over the years. Now, I don't fancy myself the world's greatest writer, but I do feel that I write well enough to get the point across. And for some people, for some pastors, sermon, a sermon is really more about performance. Um, they are basically telling this tale verbally, and they're kind of looking at it as, an, as if an actor from a play. And there is nothing wrong with it. That is a way of how you communicate the gospel to others. But for me, a sermon is a writing exercise. It is a way that I can, through my typing, by putting my hands to the keyboard or pen to paper, it's a way of me connecting with what God is saying and then telling that through a story or through other words to help people understand what this word of God is all about. But what I've noticed in the last few years is that it's been very difficult at times for me to write. A decade ago, especially when blogging was really big, I could write a few blog posts a day about anything like it was nothing. And if I were writing a sermon, the sermon in many ways was already formed in my head long before I started typing out the words. But these days, it is more common sometimes for me to sit for a long time not really knowing what to say or how to say it. In short, what I think has happened is that anxiety has kind of made it hard for me to write. Over the last few years, sometimes I've dealt with people who want to kind of tell me kind of what they think. And of course, being who I am, I kind of take that in. I can remember, especially there was one person that every time I wrote something publicly, would respond very badly to what I wrote. And what happened was that I took the criticism and I tried to watch what I say and how I said it. And then there were other people who were also kind of critical, but they thought that my writing style was not up to snuff. And so again, I took what they said and tried to be better. 
And I don't want to give you the impression that I don't need anyone to tell me how to write better. That's not the case. I think that there are people who honestly want to help you. But there are other people that their criticism really isn't about helping you. It's about taking you down. And the problem is sometimes that you can't tell which is which. And what I've learned is you know them by how they make you feel. If they make you feel good, then they are good people. They want to help you to be the best person and best writer that you can be. But if they make you feel small or inadequate, they're not helpful. Looking back, I can remember one, one person um, particularly who would tell me, who would basically force me to make me feel that I had to write and write and finally would say to me very honestly that maybe I should consider something else other than writing. It was not told in a way that would help me. But of course, you listen to those things. And they, what happens is that, that that starts to kind of eat at you. It tears you down. And the result is, for me, it's that it became hard to write. And I started to second guess myself. And I would spend hours, I can remember one time, hours and hours, writing a document over and over in order to please someone who, in the end, I could never please. It's still difficult to write. Knowing now what I know, and knowing that it has kept me down, doesn't mean that the problem is solved. You have to unlearn what you have heard. But what I've looked back from that experience, there's something, an important lesson that I came up with. And I wish in some ways that I had been more confrontational. I wish I had been willing to challenge people when they criticized me or accuse me. But the thing that I learned here is I never did that because I wanted to keep the peace. And peace sometimes, keeping the, at least the illusion or appearance of peace, can be costly. So what is being said here today in the text in Luke seems to go against everything that we know about Jesus. Because um, as a pastor friend of mine said about this passage this week, we want to think of Jesus as being inclusive. We want to think of Jesus as being loving. But if you read this, chap this passage, it doesn't seem that way. Now, if we were ha had read most of um, chapters 11 and 12, we might actually pull back and understand where Jesus was coming from. Because Jesus was in some ways ticked off for a reason. He starts off chapter 12 by telling the crowd gathered around him to beware of the religious leaders, the bullies actually, that were, and to not be filled with the yeast of those leaders. And even if you go back, as I said, to chapter 11, Jesus is invited to the Pharisees and he is at this guest's place, and the Pharisee that he is, has invited him is upset that he did not 
do the ritual washing before eating. And Jesus decided this was an opportunity to call this person out because this person was not living as one should. And he even made sure that he made that known that the, while the outside might have been someone that was trying to follow the law and the inside was not clean at all. This text is hard because we like to think of every text in scripture, um, especially in the gospels and Jesus as a go and do likewise type thing. And this passage I don't think is a go and do likewise. Not everything that Jesus does is something that we, we should be or are called to follow or to imitate. What this is, is about something that God does, and that is God as judge. The passage reminds us that Jesus is Lord. Jesus comes to all of us, every one of us, good and bad, to bring forgiveness and salvation, but God through Jesus also brings judgment. Judgment is not the same as punishment, but it is stating that something is wrong. And it is also stating God's justice. Jesus, as a judge, is going to divide people. People who are oppressed, who feel pushed down, will see that Jesus as judge as actually being good news. Because it means that God does care for them. God does love them. But for someone who is a bully, the God who is a judge, well, it's going to feel like a judge. So this is not a go and do likewise passage. God is not saying that we must go out and be divisive. And Lord knows we don't need in our day and age to be even more divided than we are. One only needs to look at the news to see how divided we are. But that division is one of sin. It is a division where we sometimes we feel better than the other and feel that we can do anything we want against those who we deem evil. You just have to look at our social media feeds and our television screens to see how we are so divided. There is a survey, I believe it was put out by Pew Research, that we are at a point in our, the na our nation's history that our political parties we look at one another not as people who are maybe different or have differing opinions, not even as people who are wrong, but as evil. And that is a dangerous thing for our society. That is not the division that Jesus is asking, is talking about here. When you, though, do seek to follow Jesus, when you try to follow the way of Christ, sometimes you are actually going to be divided 
even though you don't mean to be. But that's a different division. That is a division of God's justice. And we have to be careful what that is. Because living our lives as Christians, if we are trying to live and seek to follow in the way of Jesus, meaning that we love those who might society might deem unlovable, or that we forgive even when people think that you shouldn't forgive, that will be divisive. But that is a different division. It is a division that comes out of our own love in a world where we don't understand, where the world does not understand God's love. We are not, as Christians, to please everyone, because we can't. The whole point, actually, of Hebrews 11, which what we read, is also important, because it's stating that following the Jesus way, following the way of Jesus, which can be at times divisive, not as the world's divisiveness, but God's divisiveness, has consequences. When we read Hebrews 11, sometimes we like to focus on the fact that it's about all these great heroes of faith, but then the writer gets into this part, which I'm going to repeat again, where people of faith were stoned to death. They were stoned, sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in, she in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, and tormented. That is not a great list. None of that means that any of us are necessarily going to face that. But it does mean that living a life of faith is going to cost. It will bring division. It just will not bring the division that we so much see today. The writer of Hebrews ends his passage by saying that we Christians should run the race that has been set before us. That we have these cloud of witnesses, these people who have lived and sometimes suffered for the faith that push us to run the race of life. We look to these witnesses of faith, some of them who are in the Bible, some of them who are in our own lives, and they're the ones that help us to learn how to live a life of faith. And ultimately, we look towards Jesus, who is the pioneer of our faith. The operable words in Luke that I talked about maybe a few weeks ago is that Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem. That means that he is facing his coming death. And he is living a life not trying to please others, but seeking to please God. But doing so will carry a risk. A risk that will give mean giving up his life. I still find it hard at times to write. And I'm hoping, though, I still write. I have not stopped. And I believe that with practice, it will become easier to write again. I'll admit, it was even harder, harder to write this sermon. But what I've learned from this experience, from this time over the years, is you can't please everyone. You can't try to smooth things over. And the same goes for our faith. 
we will not please everyone. Jesus couldn't please everyone. All we can do is live our faith out, knowing that whatever happens, Jesus went through it before. Jesus is with us now as we run this race of faith. Thanks be to God. Amen. We hope this week's sermon was nourishment for your soul. If you would like to listen to past sermons, watch past worship services, leave a prayer request, or get directions to our worship location, please visit our website at fccstpaul.org. May God be with you on your daily journey.